Welcome to the Freight Broker Bootcamp audio experience, and I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Tell us a little bit of background on you, because you have an interesting background that's a little different than a lot of people that have taken my course. Sure. So basically, for the last better part of the last two decades, I have been a buyer of freight services. So I am... You know, I was going out to freight brokers and uh, I was, you know, and when I had product that needed to be shipped, I would go to freight brokers, get their quotes, and then I would I would book it with them. Um, All the time, all the while I was doing this, I worked for other people and um, I I always knew I wanted to do something on my own. I, I, uh, you know, I think it's a a personal flaw in myself that I can't work for anybody else. So, uh, you know, I learned that early on and I decided, well, I need to do something for myself. And then one day uh, in looking for uh, what can I do, I I came across your uh, freight broker bootcamp course, uh, looked into it and uh, it clicked. You know, I could, you know, I could go out to my friends who are also buyers and they could be my customers. And so that's what I did. I love it. And you're based out of Rochester, New York, right? Yes, sir. So oddly enough, you took my course. I'm in Buffalo. So we're about, we're like an hour away from each other. And yeah. um, and so that's amazing. So you, you were in, you were buying logistics services from companies that were just like yours now, right? They were freight brokers. They were logistics providers. Yes. And so what you did is you just kind of switched seats a little bit and you started servicing and supporting people within your network. And then obviously now you're growing it outside of your immediate network. All right, great. So tell us, give us, um, this is what everybody's looking for, right? Of course, they, they want to know the hack. They want to know how you did it so quickly. They want to know how you went from zero pretty much in January of this past year or this year to over a million dollars in sales in August. So, um, I know that's not something we can put. That's that's not a that's not one sound bite, right? That's that there's a process there, but first, tell them what you were able to do in sales between from startup in February till now. Give them a give them a draw them a quick picture of that in regards to revenue or however you want to frame it. Yeah. So so I'm uh, from startup moving the first loads in February till uh, this week. I'm at uh, right around seven point eight million in sales total sales. And just to give everybody a reference point, depending on when or where they're listening to this, it's it is now September twentieth of two thousand twenty-one. So we're we're basically talking about seven months, right? We're talking about seven months, and he did seven point eight million. Yes, seven point eight million gross, right? Yeah. And you know, without getting into a whole lot of profit, I mean, his margins. I've I've validated his margins. They're really strong, right? They're very good. I mean, they're 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 above twenty percent. Okay, which is which is what you should strive for as a broker. But you'll be amazed how many times I hear from brokers and agents, well, you can't make 20%. You can't make 20%. You can only make eight or 10%. And I've been telling people for years, that's not true. It might be true if you're in a, a really beaten down niche or if you always focus on being the cheapest, but tell me a little bit about that. I mean, I'm sure you could you could have uh, priced this out in such a way that you only made eight or ten percent, right, Tim? Yes, yeah, definitely. It and and uh, what I should say is I, I immediately, well, not immediately, but very soon brought in experienced freight agents to help me. Uh, so I have four other people now that. You know, we don't have a, we're not big enough to have a real agent agreement, but we have a contractor agreement set up and uh, they had more experience in freight. 
And so we would, you know, we would talk about each one. And quite honestly, if I started out without their help, I would have, I definitely would have priced this a lot lower. I definitely, I, I didn't understand the value of the service that the freight broker provides. Uh, these people pushed me, we went higher and, you know, in the beginning, I only looked at the ones we lost. Well, if we, could, if we would come down a couple percentage, we would have made it and we'd still make decent money. Uh, but they looked at the value of the, of the product and, and it really is knowing the value of what you're selling uh, and uh, and being confident in that and then providing that value, you know, yeah. being there when things go wrong. No, yeah. I, I agree. And, you know, the thing that you did and you can share as much as you want to share around that. But one of the things about your story that really hit home with me is the fact that you niched it down. Now, you had been involved in this niche prior, right? You had past experience yeah. from, from the buyer side of the equation. But you really decided to pursue that thing, number one, that you already knew, number two, that you already had relationships in, and number three, um, that was a a niche in kind of inside of a niche, right? So yeah. I, I, whatever you're open to sharing there, I don't want to, you know, I don't let anybody, I don't want anybody to share anything they're uncomfortable with. Cause when, when you got a good niche, you want to, you kind of want to keep that a little bit of a secret, but tell us a little bit about your niching down process and why you think that, how that played a role in your success so far. Yeah. So, so our, our, our niche is, is really padded wrapped or palletized shrink wrapped furniture. Uh, I mean, so that's that's really our niche. It it requires more. Some customers require you to stage trailers. Well, as a, as a broker, you know the whole thing about a broker. You don't have assets, that kind of thing. So I had to go to a a, a trailer leasing company. I had to convince them that that you know we were worth the risk, and I had to you know for some customers I had to lease trailers, and they would sit there, uh, and uh, you know when when the customer's ready, they would hook their power to it fill it up, tell me that I'd have to get power to move, power only to move that. Um, so that so that that was one thing. There's also a big asset-based um, padded wrapped furniture carrier that because of the COVID crisis, lucky for me, blessed, I guess, they chose not to do that anymore. They chose that. That's one of their services that they couldn't provide because drivers don't like it. Why don't drivers like it? Because it it's a lot of waiting at both ends destination you know most of the time within two hours you hit the dock you're loaded and you're gone you know we sometimes have to have drivers sit six to eight hours uh but they're paid for it and that's all in the rate con right at the beginning we let them know um so so you know it was it was a niche that i was very comfortable with it was a niche that i had uh customer contacts in uh and it was a niche that not a lot of people like to play in because it's messy yeah. And, you know, in pre-interview here, we talked about how a lot of people come into the industry, at least from my perspective, having conversations with them as newbies, and they immediately go to that, you know, one pick, one drop van load, right? Which which is okay. You can make a little, you can make money there. It's a big market. There's a lot of dry freight, right? But the problem is, is it because it's easy, right? Because it's easy, that's where everybody gravitates. And when you have a lot of people gravitating to that, then you have a lot of competition. And then all you all of a sudden you have price compression and you got all these issues because it's easy. So you just said a, a really cool word, which was messy, right? His freight is messy, but guess what? He'd rather have messy freight because he's doing a million dollars a month because of the demand, because most people 
fall away from that. They're not willing to get dirty. They're not willing to get messy. They're not willing to take those risks that are associated with messy freight. But Tim did, and he did a couple of things. Number one, he leveraged his own knowledge, but then secondarily, he went out and got Freight Broker Bootcamp. He got some tools, which is just a tool, right? It's not a cure-all. It's not a, hey, get rich quick deal. And then he also leveraged talent. He hired some people to come in and help him fill the gaps of the things that he didn't know. The exact same way I did. I didn't know, I didn't know jack all about being a freight broker when I first started. But I hired some talent that came in and filled the gaps. I knew how to sell. I knew how fundamentals of what it took to grow a profitable business, but I didn't know how to cover loads. I didn't know how to rate. I didn't know how to do any of that. Did you know any of that when you first started? I mean, it was like, you thought it was like, you know, from the outside, it kind of looks like, you know, everything's just very streamlined and scientific. And I tell everybody logistics is it's all held together with bailing twine and bubble gum. Yeah. Right behind the scenes. Everything is super dynamic. I mean, you might, you cover a load and then the next thing you know, an hour before that load's got to get picked up the driver falls off and you got to recover it. Yeah. But that all happens without the shipper ever knowing. And that's part of the value. You solve those problems in real time. And so, yeah, no, I love, I love what you just said there. I think that makes a ton of sense and it falls very, very much back in line with, with my experience too. So, all right. Awesome. So, so we talked a little bit about what you've been able to do. We talked about a little bit about your niche, which is padded and uh, created furniture. Yeah. Right. So the, the created is usually LTL. Right. Okay. So that's kind of a, I guess would be a different niche. And, and there's a lot of, and quite frankly, if my customers didn't want me to move the LTL, I probably wouldn't um, because a good, a good idea is I, number of shipments that I've done. I, I, so I've done about uh, just under 2,500 shipments in, in this time, 50% of those shipments were LTL. But that only rep represents 15, 1.5% of my income. So, you know, it was one of those things that if if my customers didn't want me to do it and I didn't, you know, and I felt like, you know what, I need to service this customer, you know, so you, you, you take, I don't want to say good with the bad, but I don't know, you know, I can't think of any other word. That's exactly how I frame it. You know, there was lanes that I took from shippers that I didn't want to take and we barely made any money on. But because they, be, that was either the first lane that I did with them in order to prove it and provide some value because they were struggling in that area, or it was something that I did as a, uh, a tip for tap because I had all this other freight that was much easier to move and was high margin. And so I gave a little bit away. So it becomes, you know, it, it's a give and take. I mean, you know, you can't expect to just get the gravy you know, high profit, easy to move, no touch loads. I mean, it doesn't work that way. You know, you've got to, you've got to massage that a little bit. Shippers know they're hard lanes and they're hard to cover freight and they're easy to cover freight. Trust me, they know what flies off the boards and that people are dying for. And they know the stuff where they hear crickets every time they ask a question, Hey, you want this load from Regina, Saskatchewan down to Houston, Texas? It's like, uh, no, please get away from me. I mean, I don't want anything to do with that. But at the same time, you know, if you have a desirable lane, it obviously flies off the board. So, okay. So, um, we've talked about quite a bit of things so far that have kind of been a part of your journey, but let me ask you this, you know, if you could go back in this short period, you know, the seven months, because you're learning new lessons every day as an entrepreneur. I know I do, even at this point, 25 years later, um, what's one thing you would do different? Right. If you could change just one thing, I mean, you've had an amazing results, but I'm sure there have been some 
things that you said, ah, we really kind of screwed up on that, or we could have done better, or I wish I would have, what would be that one thing? You know, the, it's, it's not even in the, it's not even in the actual moving of the freight. It's, it's in the, it's in the backend systems and specifically the, the accounting systems, the ARAP and the bookkeeping. Um, you know, I, I went with standard products that everybody knows that, that are out there. Um, and of course I went with the, the base basic version um, and it didn't do a lot of what I thought it would do, you know? And so, uh, you know, I would say a good 30, 45 days after moving loads, 100% of my day was fielding calls. Where's my money? Where's my money? Where's my money? You know, and so I, I think, you know, the, the whole money paying, getting, getting paid and keeping the books, you know, for tax purposes and that sort of thing uh, is probably the one thing I would have done different. And it's something I'm still working on today, something I, I, I'm still struggling with. Yeah. As a broker, the financial management component is a really important one. And it's, it's very much overlooked particularly in the startup realm, because a lot of people don't have an accounting background. They don't have, um, you know, they're not used to collecting, you know, invoices and receivables. They're not used to cutting checks and doing all the invoicing, especially if you have complex freight, sometimes that creates complexity inside of the invoicing because you've got to have special documentation and, and all this stuff, especially when you have, you know, uh, uh, consistently have these drivers that are that are being held for five or six hours. You've got all this detention time and you have all this stuff that you've got to include in there and people overlook that. So what did you do going from the conventional, you know, accounting invoicing stuff? How did you transition out of that to make that easier? Did you, did you partner with another provider? Did you outsource it? Did you get a different software program? I mean, what did you do to overcome that? Or did you just streamline it and figure it out? I, I, I just learned that I learned more, of, of what my software could do. I, I learned how to uh, get the most out of it, how, how to optimize it. Um, and so I understand it now. I understand where I went wrong. I still don't have, I still don't have the time to do it. So, I, and I'm going to have to, and every, you know, everybody I talk to that's successful entrepreneur says, go ahead, get yourself a professional in that area. You will never regret it. I look at it like, I know I won't regret it, but I still don't want to uh, take X amount of dollars every month to dedicate to this now because that money could be used over here to generate more income. But what I'm not realizing, what people tell me I'm not realizing is the income that this professional will save or, or guarantee comes in will well out pay for them. In, in the yeah. yeah. And I agree with what they're saying hundred percent and your time is worth more than the cost of that financial management component. So if you just look at it from a purely selfish perspective and you say the high value activities that I can be doing inside this business are worth X and I can hire somebody to do these other things for a fraction of X, right? Way less. It's just a math equation at that point, right? And so I think that, you know, most, you're in a unique situation. You've done 2,500 loads in a very short period of time. So accounting has become a real issue for you, right? <laughs> if you don't stay on top of it, you know, things are going to fall apart, right? I mean, everything's going to fall apart. If cash flow is not coming in from shippers, you're not going to be able to pay carriers and so on. And there's a ripple effect. 
most people don't fall into that situation where they have to learn that lesson quite so quick because they might move five or 10 loads there in first month. And then they might move 10 or 15 loads and 20 loads. I mean, you went, you went from zero to skyrocketing and very, very quickly. So you, you, you were a true trial by fire <laughs> from an accounting perspective and yeah. with a guy that doesn't necessarily have an accounting finance, financial management background. I'll tell you right now, I hate accounting. I hated it day one. And I had, fortunately, from day one, I had somebody on my team that managed that from the very first. I never did an invoice. I never did, uh, well, I probably had to make some collection calls early on, but I never did an invoice. I never did any of that sort of billing stuff. Thank God, because I was terrible at it. And I'm still not good at it. I still have financial advisors and accountants to do all that stuff. I, I like making the money. I just don't like counting it and you know doing yeah. all that, doing all the administrative stuff. So, so yeah, I think in the long term, you will... Um, you will do really well if you outsource that. All right, cool. So, um, yeah, I think that's, is there anything else you want to share about kind of the startup and to help, you know, whether it be something tactical to help, uh, with customer acquisition or with partnering with carriers or with niching down or with anything that you want to share? Sure. I, I think, I mean, for me, it was, I really thought that I went in with a great tool, tool belt ready to go. I brought in some great professionals, um, but still it was at times daily. Uh, now it's, it's weekly. Um, I hit a hurdle that just knocks me flat down and, and you're in, and you've got to have the tenacity to just figure out how do I, how do I get over this hurdle? Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's a lot of phone calls and a lot of begging and a lot of, you know, look, this is what I've done. Look at, you know, I, I just, you know, um, but every time I get over one of those, it, it feels a little better. It makes it gives me a little more confidence that like the next hurdle, I, I should be able to get over it. Um, I still go to bed scared every night. I still wake up scared every morning. I still feel great during the night and great during the morning. But it's uh, it's it's an up and down that I didn't, especially being as busy as I am. I, I thought to myself, you know, when I get to this amount of business, I'll be I'll be fine, you know. But it's not. It's it's. The same feelings of before I had my first load to now getting X amount of loads a day. I, I still have those same feelings. Yeah, I love what you just said. And that was, you know, every every hurdle that you overcome, your confidence grows. And then it starts to compound. Now, of course, you got to keep that in check, right? Because ultimately your <laughs> ego can get in your way. And I think we've all done that at different points in our life. I know I have. But the biggest hurdle most people have is moving that first load, right? Get that first load moved and then one load turns into two loads, two loads turns into four loads and eight loads and it starts to compound. And the next thing you know, you've done a million dollars in business and who knows, maybe you'll be fortunate enough to start doing a million a month like Tim. But ultimately, I think that confidence is something and, and that you can't outsource. You, you have to learn those things and learn how to overcome them. And that that's a huge confidence. I know it was for me. I mean, my past experience in business prior to opening my logistics business was a huge confidence boost. But when I started this business, I had to really go back down to the bottom because I didn't know I didn't know anything, right? The people that are watching this now know, know more about being a freight broker than I knew when I first got started. And so I, I, I do like that, you know, um, one step at a time type approach and just build on it and build on it. And just know that, you know, if you start, um, the great thing is, is if you do it yourself where you're actually doing the work yourself, it's easy to teach the next person. Right. Yeah. And so I think that becomes a fundamental building block of the entire business. 
Yeah, I, I just wanted to say my first two loads, I broke even on my first load. I lost $400 on my second load. Okay. And, you know, so. <laughs> and what's funny is a lot of people would have quit right there. Yeah. And I can tell you, they'll be like, oh, I can't lose $400. That's too much money. And I get it. You don't want to lose money. And in the normal course of events, you shouldn't lose money. Right. But shit <laughs> happens. And you had a choice at that point. Dig in, figure it out and support the customer the way you promised you would or tuck tail and run. Right. And unfortunately, a lot of people tuck tail and they run it, and they get scared. It was a friend of mine. And I and I gave him the first one. He, he gave me the first one. He spent $400 more than he thought he should on the first one as a friend. The second one, he said, I can't. I can go to this guy over here and pay $400 less. So I did it for $400 less. And then I educated him on why my prices were where they were. The next load I made money on um, because he went back to the guy I'd been using. And the guy had been he'd been using told him the same thing I did. Market conditions have changed. This lane now costs this much money. Right. So. Yeah. And that's part of what you have to do to educate your shippers and your customers and everybody around you as to what's going on with market conditions. Because it doesn't stay like this, right? Capacity of trucks and rates is very rarely are like this. In in the in, Since 2003, when I first started, it's always like this. There's always the ebbs and flows. It's tight. It's loose. It's tight. It's loose. Fuels up, fuels down right? Demand is up, demand is down. I mean, it's, that's just the nature of it. And so the great part about that is that that volatility is what creates opportunities. Yeah. Okay. That if it was stable and easy and it was just level playing field all the time, there would be way less opportunities for you as a broker to get your foot in the door. But that volatility creates those opportunities. I talk about that a lot. So, all right, listen, Tim, I want to thank you so much for those of you that are curious about becoming a freight broker or a freight agent. Check out FreightBrokerBootCamp.com. Again, it's, I've had that course for over a decade. Um, we offer a 60-day, 100% money-back guarantee. If you're not happy for any reason, just send us an email. We'll, we'll refund you with no questions asked. Um, Tim, thank you so much for being here. Congrats on all your success. Thank uh, you. It's an amazing story. I can't wait to get you back on here in another year or so and see how far things have went. Thank um, you. Again, if you guys are curious about getting started, check out FreightBrokerBootCamp.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I'm humbled that you allowed me to be a part of your day. Now subscribe to the podcast so we can do this more often. And for those of you that take the next 15 to 30 seconds to rate and review the podcast, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. And who knows, maybe we'll give you a shout out on a future episode.